G'day, mate, and welcome to Unstoppable with me, your host, Kerwin Ray. And today I am talking with Suze Yaloff Schwartz, who is the founder of the world's very first drop in secular meditation studio unplugged meditation app and author of unplug Suze has been featured in the likes of the new york times entrepreneur the huffington post vogue good morning america and she has also created one fearless business empire and today we talk about the commercial model she used to get there from scaling her business to the importance of culture and organization this one is for all entrepreneurs out there who are looking to create a business in a space that is still emerging check it out listen up this woman has got some power Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Now, I, I'm, I've been really excited about this interview for a whole range of reasons. Number one, I'm an avid meditator, but I really, one of the things that I connect with most is people's stories and how they get to, how they find meditation. And everyone's story about how they find meditation is really interesting, but yours is actually quite unique. Uh, when I started investigating you, I actually was like, oh my God, is this the original Devil Wears Prada? Like your story really has some, some commonalities with uh, a lot of Hollywood uh, a, whole, a lot of Hollywood storylines. So for people who don't know Susie, like what is your story? Like what's your background? How did we get to you being the queen of meditation here in Santa Monica? Well, it's so funny that you say devil wears Prada. Let me clarify that <laughs> I would have been the assistant role. I would have been the one who like yeah. was the Annie character. Yes. I did work at Vogue. I worked at Vogue for three years. Um, that's where I started. I actually started at Giorgio Armani. And then I went to Vogue, and I was the assistant accessories editor, associate accessories editor. And then I went to Elle, Marie Claire, Glamour magazine. And what happened was at Glamour, one day, um, we were doing these swimsuit makeovers where we would put the girls in the swimsuits, and they would be in the before, and then we would put them in a different swimsuit to kind of enhance their features. And then we would shoot them on mannequins. And I said, why are we shooting them on mannequins? We should put them on real people. And they loved the idea, so I put them on a real person. So I had a woman who was a size 14W, and when she wore this bathing suit, she looked like a six. And the Oprah Winfrey Show saw it, went crazy, invited me to be on their show. I ended up going on the Oprah Winfrey Show doing swimsuit makeovers twice. And then after that, the New York Times did a story on me called The Fairy Godmother of Makeovers. And the woman said to me when she had her camera, when I take this picture, I just want you to know that your life is going to change. And I was like, This is the New York Times. This is the New York Times. Yeah, right. And so she took the picture and then it said, fairy godmother of makeovers. So the next thing I knew for the next 14 and a half years, I was doing makeovers every single day for a living. Is that right? So it was really true. Like my life did change and I went from, you know, I still did cover fashion on all the TV shows all over the world. But mostly my goal was like, I even went and did army people makeover. So I, the women who came back from Iraq, we dressed them, yeah, cut right. their hair, the whole thing. Like, so I was doing a lot of makeovers. So you were doing the time. makeovers in conjunction with editing magazines at the same time? I was the fashion, executive fashion editor at large. Right. So I was responsible for um, Glamour.com, writing stories on fashion for that, covering stories backstage and front stage for television and for the magazine. And then the editorial pages where I would style the girls, hire the hair, makeup photographer, and kind of angle them in certain ways. And then I would also talk about like red carpet trends. So I covered the Oscars and that kind of stuff when I was in New York. Now, I know it's not a competition, but it's probably fair to say that the fashion industry is one of the most stressful occupations, especially when you're in print. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. However, I was so busy and just kind of 
I think I'm a little bit like you where I want to achieve something. Then I never landed in that moment of feeling good about what I achieved. I was more thinking about the next next goal and the next goal. So I was just hungry to just, and I would say yes to everything. Like, you want to do the Guinness Book of World Records for makeovers? Count me in. (laughs) Like, you want to make over all the dog owners for the Westminster Dog Show? Done. You know, like, so I was kind of that type of person. So I never really thought about whether I was stressed or not stressed. It was just how you I was just... In. Yeah. Were you someone that always worked at a very high intensity? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I really was. And I unless am. And still are. Yes. Even today. I can't, I have to say that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, meditation makes you lose your edge, but it does not make you lose your not edge. At all. It just helps you land, be a little bit more present, which yeah. helps you function at a higher level. To be honest with you, like, I think it's a competitive advantage. Oh, absolutely. I think, it, if anything, it, it, it sharpens the edge and softens it simultaneously right where it enables you to be able to slow down to be more surgical in the things that you're doing and just bring an eye of precision that most people just don't have right because you move a little bit slower right so then how do you transition from this fast-paced fashion world making people because you literally became the fairy godmother of makeovers correct is this perhaps the start of the journey had you always been interested in transform because i guess in many ways where i'm going with this is because meditation is very transformative like it, it transforms people's brains, it transforms people's biology, it transforms people's lives as an mm-hmm. ultimate consequence. Uh, so I'm curious to know if there's any connection between the makeovers and meditation in your mind. Like, was there- hundred yeah, percent. I mean, right. I mastered helping people look good on the outside. Yes. But the truth is, if you don't feel good on the inside, you don't really look good on the outside. So for me, the idea that I'm now helping people feel incredible on the inside makes them feel much better on the outside. So when I did makeovers for Glamour and I was doing the swimsuit makeovers, I noticed that women who might not have the perfect body, um, might not have even be that beautiful according to like fashion standards, they were 10 times more gorgeous than the ones who had the perfect body mm. and were insecure. So it's all about confidence. And confidence is not something that comes from something outside. I've met gorgeous supermodels. I've met celebrities. I've met so many people. Confidence is on the inside. So when you feel good inside and you look good outside, like that's epic. So I'm very lucky that I get to work with both. I mean, I'm not saying I don't love fashion. I don't love, I mean, I loved what I did. I was obsessed with that career, but I love what I'm doing now too. How did you feel about the psychological implications of the makeovers that you did? Because obviously, like when you when you make someone over, you have a significant shift on their their psychology of how they view themselves. I felt great. It was like saying, "Here is your potential. You yeah. have no idea." And then you get like the top makeup artists, top photographers, yeah. top hairstylists, clothes that really flatter their figure, and you're like, "This is you." And people just cried. There was this one thing where oh, I'm trying to remember the name of the show. Where it was called The Swan, where they did surgical makeovers. Yeah, right. And there was a casting call for The Swan, and I can't remember if it was Today Show or Good Morning America, but we went and we crashed the line of the casting call. And we pulled three women off the line, three women who would have had liposuction, facelifts, yeah, dental right. surgery, the whole thing. And we had a location van, and we did makeovers on them, and then showed, and they were in the magazine. And it was just such a huge, wow. it was probably even a bigger transformation what we did mm. than what they would have done. Um, so we Did you ever do any follow-up stories to, to, to see the implications, like down the track of some of these makeovers or some of these ladies? No, no. 
because it reminds me of a book, I don't know if you've ever read uh, Psycho-Cybernetics, Maxwell Maltz. It's like one of the original personal development books going back maybe 30, 40 years ago. And it was written by a plastic surgeon mm -hmm. who used to do these uh, cosmetic procedures on people and he would then identify these huge psychological transformations that people would uh, would go through as a result of just very small alterations in, you know, in facial features. Right. Uh, and he started to look and uncover the psychology behind how is it that we reshape our identity around what we see when we look in the mirror. Right. And it seems to me that there's a lot of correlations there, like that, whereby when you change the way people look at themselves, they literally change the way that they look at their environment. They change the way they look at their family. Mm -hmm. they and it has huge implications in their lives. So how do we go from makeovers to meditation? So. What happened was my husband, I actually came to Los Angeles and I was doing, I was dressing Robin Roberts for the Oscars for okay. Good Morning America. And then I went to go visit a friend of mine, Joe Flanagan, whose three kids were running in the field in Malibu, living the life. And I was like, wow, my three kids can walk on the walls. They can <laughs> climb the walls, but there's like no space in our apartment. Yeah, right. And as a joke, I said to my husband. Because you were born in Manhattan. I was born in Manhattan, right. but I was New, raised in New, New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. And um, then when I graduated from college, I went back to the city. Right. To Manhattan. So anyway, so I said to my husband, you know, as a joke, we should move to Los Angeles. And so he got a call two weeks later offering him a job in Connecticut. And as a joke, he's like, oh, my wife would move to Los Angeles before she would move to a suburb of New York. And the next thing I know, the woman says to my husband, oh my God, there's a great job here in Los Angeles. If you're really interested, let's fly you over there. And it was working for this kind of legendary philanthropist billionaire. And my husband's in finance. So he said, okay, I'll, I'll go try that. So he went and he interviewed it with him. And the guy loved him and said he wouldn't take no for an answer. And the next thing I know, Mark said, don't you want adventure? And I was thinking to myself, no, I have this like dream job. My whole family's mm. here. I love my life. You spent decades setting up this yeah. brand. But he used this word adventure. And I think this is a good story to share. There was a woman who I was working with at Glamour who was 60 years old and retiring. And as she was leaving, I said to her, you know, so I loved working with you. And she's like, Susie, don't be like me. Don't stay in the same job for your entire life. I could have done so many things, but I didn't because she just stuck with one thing. And then now that she was getting old, they were kind of pushing her out a little bit or she felt that way. And when that happened at the same time that this happened, I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm up for the adventure. So I quit my job, took our three kids, and we moved to Los Angeles. So do you mind if we just, I'm, I'm really curious about that moment when you went, like the fuck it moment. We're like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do this. Was there any fear? Because you spent decades building this, you know, this skill set, this personal brand that, you know, the, the, the makeover, the fairy godmother of makeovers, and then to make a decision where you're just going to leave all of that and come to LA. Did you know what you were going to do when you I got I had here? no idea. In fact, I, there were a lot of things that were presented to me. Yeah, right. I thought that I was going to like go into television and work on some fashion show or something. So you just like thought that. you were going to duplicate your your. your I thought I was going to do a different thing yeah, like okay. here, but I also thought I was going to stay home with my kids for and which I had never done wow. for six months while my husband kind of got his job together. And that, by the way, was the most challenging <laughs> well, thing I've ever say, done. Was that the most scary? Like at the at the time, was that the most scary prospect? Like, it was shit, just one of those things. I'm not one of those women who was dying to be a stay at home mother. Yeah, I've always worked my entire life so not working felt really uncomfortable yeah. it was out of the box but
But I like being uncomfortable. In fact, I thrive on discomfort. Okay. Because is that something then, you've had throughout your career? Or is this something you've, you've yeah, like developed I wanna, into? I know. I love like pushing myself to okay. the limit because it. I, I know that something great always unfolds when you do that. And I like the idea of adventure and not knowing and not having life be so predictable. I'm an Aquarius, so I like spontaneity and, right. and different. So, so was I afraid? No. And I have. But you a, were uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable yeah. staying at home. Yeah. And you know, I was having breakfast, lunch, and dinner with moms, and I was getting fat, and I was kind of like, "What do I do with my time <laughs> while they're in school?" I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah. Right. It was kind of one of those things, and I'm like, "I need something." Okay. But I, then I went back to work a little bit in fashion, and right. I was traveling back and forth between New York and LA. And on one of those trips, I was so stressed out because I left my kids with my husband who was working and a babysitter who we had just hired like a month and a half earlier. And I said to my mother-in-law, I'm like, I felt really uncomfortable. Like I was super stressed. And she said, just close your eyes, visualize yourself in Jamaica, take a deep breath in, deep breath out, and now open your eyes. And I'm like, what was that? And she said, oh, that's meditation. You should learn how to meditate. It's so good for you. I'm like, I feel so much better. I will learn how to meditate. So when I came back to Los Angeles, I Googled places to meditate in LA. And what I found at that time, it was 2012, was that there was six-week programs. There were $1,400 TM, Vedic, you know, or percentage of your salary. There were... Deepak Chopra had the 21-day program on his. He was doing that, launched that program. So there were a lot of different ways to do it, but there was no kind of like dry bar I like, of meditation, which was I like that, that, yeah. that, that, the dry bar. Yeah. yeah you can't just, somewhere you can't just rock in and meditate. Yeah, dry yeah. bar for people who don't know. It's a blowout bar where you walk in feeling disgusting and you walk out feeling great in 30 minutes with good <laughs> yeah. hair. All right. Um, yeah, right. And I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, I should do the dry bar of meditation where you yeah. walk in feeling you know, depressed, sad, uncomfortable, whatever you feel. And then you walk out feeling amazing in 30 minutes. So that was where the concept came from. And I said to my husband, I'm quitting my job in fashion. There's no place to go meditate. And I'm going to open up this like dry bar meditation concept. She's like, you should learn how to meditate first. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, there's that. Okay, I'll learn how to meditate. Let's He's not like, be practical right now. Right now yeah. being an entrepreneur, right? I'm being visionary. Exactly. Yeah. He's always the practical one. Yeah, right. I'm always the highly impractical <laughs> one. I'm like, I, you're tell, don't tell me I can't do what I want to do just by thinking it. Um, so yeah, so I took every single possible course. And as a fashion editor and as an editor and kind of producing TV segments, I realized that like the same thing, three things were happening mm. in every single meditation. And I can tell you what they are. One is you're going to focus on one thing. For you, it's a mantra. I know you have a TM in Vedic practice. Two, you let it go and you just rest in the awareness of the present moment. This feels good. I'm here. It's now. I'm not doing anything. What's going on for dinner tonight? Your mind starts wandering and you notice your mind wandering and then you just begin again. Focus, 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 or bring your attention to awareness. Let it go. Mind wanders. Bring it back. And I'm like, why is everybody making it so complicated when it's really so simple and then I realized, like, not only does that principle work for meditation, but it works for hypnosis, it works for sound baths, it works for guided imagery, it works for every form, crystal healing, aromatherapy, like you smell the essential oils, you let it go, your mind wanders, you smell the essential, you know, like it works for everything. So 
I decided to repackage and rebrand meditation so that people who would never want to do it would get into it and explore it. Because as I had realized before I even opened up, when before I opened, I was just like, let's make it easy. But the more I was doing it, the more I was realizing just how much it was changing other people's lives. Mm. And then when I opened up my own studio and these people started coming in, my doctor rec- recommended it because I got into a bike accident and I can't walk. And he told me I'm never going to walk again. And now this guy's walking, riding bikes, and he never comes back anymore because he feels great. You know, like a guy who had a brain tumor, someone who suffered from post-traumatic stress, someone who couldn't get pregnant, who's now pregnant. Like, I had no idea. Mm. All of these areas. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So when you decided to launch this, because your background is in corporate world, in fashion, yeah, but I, I was on the editorial side, so yeah. I had no business. No business. In business. No business in business. No business <laughs> experience, no business acumen. Right. So when you decided to do this, did, you know, did you go, well, shit, I'm going to put together a bit of a plan? Or you're just like, you know, I'm going to do this total, I'm going to be total Jedi on this. I'm just going to go by feel. Yeah. And just trust my way into this. Okay, so I'm a Jedi. Okay. But my husband is like, there's not enough, you know, there's no way. He's the dark lord. Yeah, because he's kind of like, here's how much money we can lose. Right. And I'm willing to invest that with you, with my money and his money. We like pulled our money together. He's like, this is how much money we can lose on this project. And I was like, okay, fine. He's like, but you need to write a plan. So I'm like, God, I hate numbers. <laughs> I have no interest in like looking at that kind of stuff. Yeah. I just know this is going to work. Just trust me. And he was like, no way, that's not going to happen. So I called this girl who was a really good friend of mine. And I told her about the idea that I had. And I know she went to business school. I'm like, can you help me write a business plan? And you could be like a partner with me. She's like, yeah, great. So we sat at my kitchen table every day and we were writing this business plan and coming up with the idea. No, no, no. And for me, it was like a 24-7, even more than that, times three. And for her, with she has three kids also, it was kind of eating up too much time. So she's like, okay, I'll help you with this part, but then I'll take a small piece and then I'm out. And I said, okay. And then literally I was bartering my talents for other people's services. So for the graphic designer, I'm like, I'll make over your closet and you can give me a logo. And, you know, so I was kind of like. You were um, hustling. I was. I was. I did media training at Condé Nast. I taught people how to do TV. And so I'm like, I'll media train you if you give me law services for free. I will. You know, so I was kind of like well done. really scrappy. Yeah. And I enjoy that. Yeah. To be honest with you, I don't think when you start a business, you should be spending so much money. I think you should be like scrappy and, and try not to spend everything because you're going to be spending a lot of it. Oh, I love that. that. Like, to me, that's the ultimate bootstrapping is like, how do you get things done with, you know, as little money as possible? Yeah. And by the way, I think one of the biggest flaws larger companies make is they just start throwing they have too much money. money. And then, yeah. and there's like 15 people doing one little thing and nobody feels creative. And yeah. I think it's much better to have fewer people do a lot of things than a lot of people doing just their one, yeah. staying in their lane. Agreed. Completely. So you launched the business. Yeah. Was it an overnight success? No. <laughs> so the realize, know, like, there was a realization then. <laughs> but, like, I, but, I, but in my mind, I'm like, this is going to happen. Trust yeah. me. I was saying my husband's So you had like, this oh, internal faith. You just knew this was going yeah, to work. It was going to be okay. You had the discomfort that, comes, that came up. Yeah, because I was alone in the room with my meditation teachers for like six months. Nobody yeah. was coming. All my friends who said they were going to come, 
no shows. Right. People like, and that's something my sister taught me. She's like, when you start your own business, don't expect your friends to show up and support you. The second you do that, you're going to be setting yourself up for disappointment. And she was so right about that. Your friends don't show up. You can't count on the people who are like, I'll be there every day to be there at all. Like you just can't. So, and that's actually one of the beautiful things is I ended up meeting all these people who I never would have met people who were not in my world. And that was actually the gift of this whole project was to get away from my typecast mom group, Yeah, you know, and kind of expose myself to people who, you know, might be fighting addiction or might be fighting pain or might be depressed or might be, you know, business people, doctors or lawyers or CEOs or hu- tree huggers. We had like a tree hugger who showed up every single day. And thank God for Ari, like, because I'm like, he and I were there every day in the beginning. So it's important to, that was a gift that I didn't realize. I thought I was going to build this and it would be stressed out mommies. And it really was not stressed out mommies at all. It still is not. Is that right? So who seems to be the bulk of your clientele now? Okay. I always say, if I'm ever speaking in a large audience, raise your hand if you feel stress. And everybody will, that's my audience. Okay. You feel stress. You feel like you need a little bit of self-discovery. You need like you need a little bit of self-love care. Then you're probably going to be coming to Unplug. So Unplugged, has, I'm going to assume then it's got a huge diversity in, um, in the type of clients that you have coming in. Beyond. But for the I first- say to, People are like, describe your client base. And I'll say, okay, so 18 to 89. Yeah. Every possible ethnicity you can ever imagine. Every possible, you know, socioeconomical background you could imagine. And nothing in common with each other. That's my. What a melting it's like pot. An op, it's like an open house. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm finding that the people who come, you have to come to meditation wanting to come to meditation. Yeah. You can't be forced to come to meditation. So, are you getting people that are, have already been, they're already in meditation, or are you getting people who are predominantly just wanting to learn how to meditate? Are you getting, again, is it just a, a combination of everything? It's a combination, and that's what's so great about our classes at the Unplugged Meditation Studios in Los Angeles. We have two. We have one yeah. in Santa Monica and one in West Hollywood. Yeah, is right. that people come having never meditated before? And then they're still meditating with us four years later, two times a day sometimes. So we've learned how to speak in a way where we can appeal to the newbie and appeal to the older meditator or the more kind of advanced meditator. But at first, when you first launched, you appealed to nobody. Like you were like, no one was coming in. Yeah. How long did that go for? That was like, okay, so I launched in February Mm -hmm. and then... Probably it started September started to like Wow, so that's a good six months of Yeah. Yeah. And the husband's at home going, Oh, these yeah. are the punches and I was like, just don't I haven't lost all the money yet. So <laughs> yeah. so what happened was watering. he kind of like completely stayed out of it. Yeah. And then we started doing better, 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 better. And then he's like, Oh, let me come in and help you out a little bit. Okay. And so he's really like a high-level thinker. And he does those kind of 
larger. He does all my leases for me. Every, anything that's legal, he'll look at. Any contracts I sign, any big decisions, if I do a big hire, he'll kind of be involved in that. Okay. So what did you do differently between when you launched and nothing was happening, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm going to assume you kind of sat, sat down or someone had a chat with you, like, okay, something's got to change because we can't keep doing this forever. What happened was I was giving free classes away. Okay. So I was like first class free. And people were like, thanks for the free class. See ya. And so they weren't coming back. So there was no skin in the game. Yeah. And what happened was there was a guy who came in and was like, look, you really need to do what all the other yoga studios do, which is like a one month unlimited for X amount. And then you convert them to become members. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I didn't like know about the yoga works model or the, you know, other yoga studios type model. And I'm like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So I kind of changed the model to nobody gets free. Yeah. And now you can be, unless you're a member and you're bringing a guest for the first time, you're not coming for free. And that was a game changer. Game changer. Literally overnight? Yeah. What other? But also September. Like, so in the fitness industry, the yeah. summers usually, except for maybe not in the fitness industry, but yeah, I guess in the fitness industry, summer is always slower. Okay. And you, you are still the only business of your kind where yes. you're offering, because there's a lot of people that offer the yoga and the meditation, right? Right. I never did yoga. Okay. So Unplugged Meditation is the world's first drop in meditation studio. When I opened, everybody's like, you're crazy. Nobody's going to go and pay, you know, come to a studio to do nothing. And I'm like, trust me, they'll come. And there, it didn't exist. And then all these stars, like I reached out to this one teacher named Steve Ross, who's a huge yogi star. And I asked him, I'm like, I really want you to help me with this. And he's like, no problem. He didn't ask me for any money. He didn't ask me for anything. All he wanted to do was see this happen because he said, the more people wow. we get doing this, the better the world will be. Yeah. Same thing with this other huge star named David G, who's a teacher global. He's like, you, you tell me what you need. I'm in because nobody had ever done it before and they wanted to be a part of it. And now there's all these kind of studios that have been inspired by Unplug, and people are flying in from Japan, Spain, Australia, Germany. Like, you're going to start seeing them pop up all over the world. And they're always like, do you want a franchise? And I say no, because I just want it to be good. I yeah. care about the quality. Okay. And I think if you're going to run a business, you need to care about the quality. You have to. Like, my name's on Unplug. Yeah. So everything I do is going to be excellent. So what's the plans from here? How do you plan to scale? Well, I've already scaled. So yeah. the Unplug Meditation app, what happened was we had people coming to Unplug Santa Monica and they were just blown away. And then they would travel. Is there? No, nope, it's okay. okay. <laughs> um, they would travel all over the world and they'd be like, I need Unplug. I miss my teachers. I feel like I, I feel uncomfortable being away from Unplug for such a long <laughs> period of time. And one of our clients suggested that I do an app where I videotape his favorite teachers so that he could take them with him when he goes on business trips. And I was like, that's not really a good idea because there's no app. There wasn't really an app that was more video based for meditation. It was all audio based. So you've got like a lot of those apps out there, but they're not, you don't see the teacher who's going into your head. So I asked my top teachers, I'm like, look, let's, this is an experiment. Let's try this thing out and I'm going to launch an app. So, which we just had a look at, which is spectacular, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. I feel really good about it. So it started off with one as on a platform that was pretty simple to use, but it didn't have all the features that I actually needed. So we then 
after we realized there were a lot of people who were interested and a lot of people starting to use this thing, but we couldn't get the analytics behind it, then we decided to upgrade it and put real money into it and invest in this app. Because apps are really expensive. They're not cheap, yeah. I mean, like ours is, we're almost at like $400,000. Just pay, like we paid that. Yeah. You know, like, oh my God, every profit from Unplug, both of the studios, goes into the app. Yeah, right. So, um, but the teachers are amazing and they're incredible. And now we're doing this 30-day meditation challenge. So we have people in 82 countries right now, 3,000 of them, doing this meditation challenge. And anybody can join at any time. So tell us about the 30-day meditation challenge. What spurred that idea? Well, I love a challenge. Yeah. So I have done many of them, like the vegan challenge, the, um, you know, burpee challenge, you know, all those challenges. Yeah. I just love doing challenges because you have to be accountable. And if you want to get something done, when you have a challenge, you know, in your brain, you're going to do it. And it's so funny because um, someone said to me, you're a meditation studio. Why are you going to stress people out by challenging them to meditate? <laughs> and I realized, like, uh, I'm really designed for type A personalities. Yeah. Like myself. Yeah. I'm not technically type A, but I'm someone who likes to set goals and achieve them constantly. High drive. Yeah. yeah. And so I wanted people to be able to come to it for whatever reason they want. But I believe that if you meditate with us for 30 days, you will feel a serious difference in the mm. year before and after. So we created this program and and it's been like pretty unbelievable. So you're now scaling your teaching through the app. Because the app, obviously, there's no boundaries with with where it can go into. So how can right. people? Well, is it in? Um, where can people find the app? If you go to unplug.com, yeah, and you can sign up for the 30 day challenge there. You can sign up for the app there and then download it on your cell phone, or you can do it online, or you can watch it on Apple TV or Amazon Fire. Like we're everywhere. Yeah, everywhere, right? Yeah, and what's cool about it too is if you fall in love with a teacher and you're like, oh my god, this guy's a legend. I want to do a private with him. We're now doing Skype privates with our teachers. Yeah, right. So like, app. yeah, through the app. That's fantastic. Well, you book them through us and yeah. then we create a Skype room for you guys. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. So how does it feel now going from being the the fairy the fairy godmother of makeovers to now the fairy godmother of meditation uh, as an entrepreneur? Like how how have you found the difference from being someone that, you know, has typically held a job, but now you're accountable uh, as an entrepreneur. And you've right. now got all these other people that, um, you know, in many ways look up to you, not just as an industry leader, but mm -hmm. also as someone that is required to run the operation uh, that, you know, keeps many people fed and, and in their homes. Right. How have you found the transition from being like an employee to an entrepreneur? I love it. I mean, it's so much fun. I was listening to a lot of your podcasts or things that you have up on YouTube and you talk a lot about, you know, being accountable for your business mm. and learning and that you're so passionate about learning new things all the time. And I feel the exact same way. Did I know what a CTA button was before I started this business? A CTA is a call to action for people who don't know. I didn't know what that was. Did I know what, I mean, I'm learning every single day. So for me, the learning part is the best part. It's like going to business school. Yeah, right. So I say to anybody, even if it doesn't succeed, but never start with your brain saying that it won't. Yeah. Um, to do it because it's like going to business school. It's fun. And oh. you meet people. I hire only the people I like. Yeah. So every teacher I've hired, I want to study with. Every employee I hired, I'd go out for dinner with. Like, I, And I'm really conscious of diversity and, you know, trying to surround myself with people that I 
wouldn't necessarily have hung out with when I was in my fashion bubble. Yeah. But now I'm drawn and attracted to because I want to meet people who expand me. So how many people do you now employ through the, the, both the studios that you have here? I would say I have 50 about 50 teachers okay. and about 20 employees, so maybe 70. And that's not including all the outsourcing people that we're using because we're outsourcing a lot. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of FaceTime with those, you know, those 50 to 70 people, you know, and you've kind of hinted towards the importance of you know, only hiring people that you would, um, you'd go to dinner with, yeah. you know, only working with teachers that you want to learn from. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm getting the hint that there's, the culture is actually something that's quite important for the business itself. But is it something that you're conscious of? Like, do you consciously approach your business from a cultural perspective of, okay, well, let's be very deliberate about the type of environment that we're going to create here mm -hmm. so that we can attract the very best teachers and we can, we can attract the very best talent? Right. Or is it just something that's kind of naturally and organically grown as a result of how you are as a personality when you interact with people? That's a great question. I've actually learned a lot from some of the hires that I did in the beginning <laughs> to where I am now. So yeah, it's right. very different where I was and where I am. What are some of those lessons? So the lessons that are definitely call and get references. I would not, you know, I mean, people I love, interview well, right? Here's it's the problem. Like yeah. professionals. Exactly. And I love everybody. Yeah. I'm like, now that I'm open, I'm like, I, I love everyone. So I need to make sure I need to ask the right questions. And I also need to make sure that they've worked for other companies. They showed up on time. You know, there are certain things that are very important that I, I was just kind of hiring people I liked which was a huge mistake in the beginning. Now I hire people I like who also check have out. check out. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely a big lesson that I learned. Um, I don't hire people who are insecure because I'm not there enough for them. So mm. they need to know from my first hire, like, I like you. You're here because I like you. You're here because I think you can do the job and elevate. And you might never see me again for another three months. But just... I need to know that you'll feel okay being here and you're not going to need me to kind of stroke your ego. So it's been interesting. Like you're, you're really talking about the, the self-managed personality, the self-led personality, mm -hmm. the, the, the individuals that don't need to be managed, the mm -hmm. individuals who... Well, I bet the managers are now managing the front desk. Yeah. And I don't call them front desk because I think that's not a big enough title for these people. They're like the ambassadors. They're the first face that you see. So making sure that they're happy and welcoming. Like when you own a business, you don't want to walk in with someone like, okay, check. What's your name? First name, last name. Great. Okay, you're here. Oh, wait, you're, you need to pay more because you don't. That's not the person that I want. I want someone who's like practically acts like they own the place. I'm so happy to see you. Thank you for coming. What brought you? You know, I want someone who's kind of into people. So they have to be people people. Yeah, right. Um, how do you hire for that? I interview them. Yeah, but how do you identify that as an actual, like as a real character trait versus just an interview technique? Um, I ask them, that, and then I see them, I watch them. And if they're not kind of connecting with the customer, then, I mean, it's a very different business. Mm. I call it the isness because it's the business of what is. The isness of business. It's not like a business, it's an isness. Yeah. You know, you got to be it, you got to walk the walk. So if you're not walking the walk, the teachers especially, then you really shouldn't be teaching in our studio. And then I'll suggest they go to other studios because now there's other studios I can yeah. send them to if they don't fit our culture. Third biggest lesson from between starting and now? Culture fit. Yeah, right. So I, you know, you hear so much about culture and people are like culture, culture at the wazoo. But for me, 
culture fit is really important because they might be good at their skill, but if they're making everybody miserable and then it becomes this like gossipy culture of everybody complaining about someone else, that's not going to elevate our brand. Is that in contrast to the fashion industry where people were more hired for skills versus cultural fit in an organization? Yeah. I mean, like in the fashion industry, you are kind of built to compete against the person next to you. Mm. Like competition's good. You're trying to beat that person, that person's trying to beat that person, and you're trying to like win. In this business, isness, you are trying to connect and be a team. Like I'm, I've decided I'm not interested in having a family business. It's not about us being family. It's about us being an incredible team. And when we all play well together, we win, you know? But I don't want to, you know, I'm not, it's not unconditional love, you know? You got a job to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I started off as a family business with the unconditional love and you're my family kumbaya I love you guys and then I realized that's not a good way to run a business. You want to run a business like you would a basketball team. Like you're a great player, yeah. that's why you're on you're on my team. And the better you play, the better we all play and you know if you're not playing as well, we're going to coach you to bring you back up to play well. You know, but so in your mind, what's the difference between, because it seems like there's a bit of a, a stark contrast between a family style mm-hmm. of culture and a team style of culture. If there was one or two significant differences, what would it be? Because a lot of like a lot of entrepreneurs that I speak to, like they're very much about, look, you know, I want my team to, to love me. I want my team to trust me. And I want, I want that to be a mutual. You know, I want it to be like an environment where, you know, we are like a family, where mm-hmm. we will go that extra mile, but there are certain standards that have to be met. But you've kind of created, there's a clear distinction between, okay, well, no, I wanted to run this more like a basketball team, right. you know, than, uh, than, than a family picnic. Right. What are the, the biggest distinctions in that for you? Well, a family picnic, you're my brother and whatever you do, I'm like good with. And, you know, I understand all the things that you might try to get away with. And I'm like, oh, whatever. But when you're on my team, you let me down, you let the whole team down. So it's a very different kind of mm. culture. And I think it helps it helps grow a business. And do your team all participate in the meditation journey? Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're all doing like the 30-day meditation program. Yeah. Or they are, I mean, all the front deskers are coming to work at Unplug, not because they're making lots of money. They're yeah. coming because they want to take the classes. Yeah, right. And we pay them, but they also want to take the classes. Yeah, okay. So that's the that's the draw. And the teachers, and I think this says a lot about our business, is the teachers love taking the other teachers. Like, so the quality and the level of teaching in our studio is unlike anything else. And I think it's because I'm, as I'm growing, I'm picking the teachers that are helping me grow. Yeah, right. And people are finding that they like them or sometimes they'll beg me to hire a teacher that I find like, oh. And then I realize, you know, they love this teacher. So we all have different tastes. Mm. And that's something that I'm, I'm actually growing with too. It's not my way or the highway. So how did you come up with a commercial? Because a lot of, you know, I see a lot of people who want to get into business because they've really, they've fallen in love with meditation. Mm. They've fallen in love with nutrition. They've fallen in love with something that's new in their life that they've only just touched for the first time. They go, oh my God, this is what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they go and they, they start their business and they start their business journey 
but where a lot of people fall down is in the commercialization of a hobby. You know, how do I take this idea of meditation and a drop-in studio and how do I add a commercial model around this so that it actually be, can become like a sustainable enterprise? Mm -hmm. When you first came into this space, considering you were the pioneer of like the, the dry bar meditation studio, mm -hmm. what was the commercial model that you were that you were wrapping around this? We go, well, I'm gonna run it like a yoga studio, but just for meditation or, mm -hmm. a, or a gym for meditation. Like what was, what was the commercial model that you originally came into this with? Well, I wanted it to be sexy, approachable, fun, clean. I wanted you to be able to walk in and feel like everything around you is beautiful. I wanted it to smell good. I wanted it to feel good. The music like calms you down. So it's a sensory experience when you walk into our studio. There's a lot of things going on you might not be aware of. The lighting, the music, the smell. Um, the friendly person at the front desk who loves you unconditionally, <laughs> no matter who you are. So I wanted it to feel like so that going just in. Just another little side note there. So you brought your your fashion intelligence into the wellness space by going, well, I'm going to actually make uh, the studios are going to be made over. Yeah. And from the moment you walk in, what you smell, what you see, what you hear, mm -hmm. that all is going to be part of the, the 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 fashion the experience, which ultimately makes the brand. Yeah. And I also made over the teachers. So like yeah, right. some of them were wearing these hippy dippy outfits, and they look like you know kumbaya. They should be skipping through Woodstock. And I'm like, okay, you're going to either wear solid colors. You have to keep it really simple. Don't use the word universe. Don't use the word blah, blah, blah. Come on, let's keep our feet on the ground. You're talking to this guy. You can't tell everybody you love them, even though you might feel it. Like, that's going to turn people off. If I, you know, if you like sit there and the teacher's like, I love you. Even when they sit on that stage, trust me, you feel the love for everybody. Yeah. But as a newbie, like the last thing you want is for someone to invade your space in that way. So we kind of teach them how to talk. Okay, don't talk all the time. Give us little pockets so people can meditate, but don't leave us in there by ourselves too long because if we've wandered off and then we're kind of freaking out because nobody's speaking, you know, so there's a lot of nuances inside of it. Okay. Does that answer your question? I'm sorry, no, I don't know. If no, I'm almost. Wrong. Like I'm, I'm curious more to the commercialization. Like, how do you how do you structure a, a pricing plan? Like, what like when you came into this? Like, well, clearly we're going to we want this to be an entrepreneurial enterprise that makes mm -hmm. money. So how do we sell it? How do we package it? How do I we really did follow the it? yoga brands. Yeah, right. Um, I looked at the yoga studios around me. I looked at the spinning studios, and I thought like Soul Cycle. I love that brand so much, and I was really inspired by them. Um, that pricing structure I didn't think would work for people with meditation. So I ended up going more in the yoga pricing structure. Okay. So I looked to that industry to kind of create the bar for my industry, yeah. which didn't exist before I created it. So that's kind of what my strategy was. And I hired a teacher named Lauren Ekstrom, who I love. She was my second teacher I hired. And I said to her, you work at three yoga studios what do teachers like? What do teachers want? What do teachers hate? What do they like? What, how much should I be paying them? And she was so great and gave me all of the information. You should, this is the littlest you can pay. And I'm like, okay, but where can I pay? And so she really just gave me great advice. And that's kind of how I ran the business. I wanted it to be teacher centric because yep. I wanted the teachers to want to be there yeah. and want to stay. So happy teachers, happy studio, happy okay. place. So your your commercial model now is it like a they buy it on a like a package scenario? So There's, it's a ten yeah. packs, twenty packs, or is it monthly? It's you can be a member. Yeah. Um, you can be an elite member for um, 
Oh my gosh, why am I having elite is like 150. Yeah. But we mark it down if when you buy the intro offer, you then sign up. So then it becomes 125. And then per month? Yep, yep, 125 a month. Nice. Or you could buy a 10 pack for 185 or a five pack for 95, or you could buy a single for 24. Yeah, right. And we haven't changed the structure in four years. Okay. And it's working well. Yeah. And so how do you market the business now? It's word of mouth. I mean, honestly, there's different ways. I came up with a really interesting strategy, which I almost hate to share, but you know what? This is going to be a business show. Yeah. People are going to like this. Um, okay. So I'll tell you how I did the marketing strategy for the app. So I was thinking. Which you've got 3,000 downloads for since launch, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, no, I have 3,000 people just doing this, this 30 oh, day just challenge. Doing the 30 day challenge. And I'll tell you how I got that okay. to be. So I'm like, how do I do this in an organic, authentic way? And we have an Instagram following of about 62K. And so we decided, I'm like, we should get like ambassadors. I'm like, let's call them ambassadors, ambassadors. And so I'm like, we're going to create an ambassador program. And we're going to ask people who wants to be an ambassador. And we'll just do that. We won't tell them what it is. We'll make them apply for it. And if they want to be an ambassador, then we'll let them, you know, we'll figure out which ones we want. We didn't want anyone to be an ambassador we felt was not on brand. So then we posted it up and we had 175 people say they wanted to be ambassadors. Wow. So 175 people, some of which have 300 followers, some of which have 135,000 followers who want to be ambassadors, not even knowing what this is was pretty incredible. Mm. And we and we kind of calculated and we realized we would get organic reach of like uh, 1.6 million. So then we emailed them back and we said, we're so excited to have you as part of the team. This is the program. The program is you get a free couple months of the Unplug app and then you need to do two posts. One is why are you doing this challenge? And the last post is you talking about what you got out of the challenge. Mm. And that's all we want. Like, yeah, and it could be good, it could be bad, it could be whatever you want, um, but we want to leave it to you. So they said, in, right, influence in, strategy. In. Yeah. So they all emailed us back, in, 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 in. So now we, I mean, if you hashtag unplug app, you can see all these incredible pictures because we didn't say do our pictures. We yeah. wanted it to feel organic, like yeah. as if you were going to take yeah. a picture with the app, I'm doing the Unplugged Meditation Challenge because I believe it's going to change my life and I want to be more accountable and show up every single day and I want to feel good. Like you with a picture of you holding the app. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine how yeah. cool that would be? Yeah. And then all your followers were like, I want to do it with you. And you'd be like, great, let's do it together. We have now all these ambassadors who form their own mini cults and they're like kind of wow. doing the challenges with their friends. And it's cool. Like they're doing a meditation talent. Yesterday they did gratitude and they all kind of were grateful together. And so it's it's a beautiful thing. So I just feel lucky that people wanted to be a part of it, yeah. but it was like a great strategy yeah, too. Yeah, that's a great because it got strategy. Because it got the word out. Yeah. And I, have you been able to also access, because your roots are obviously in fashion. Um, mm -hmm. in, I'm going to assume there's a lot of, you've got a, a lot of PR in mm -hmm. there as well. Has PR played a bit of a role in, in your strategy as well? I would say huge, but only because when I first opened up Unplug, nobody yeah. had ever done this before. So yeah. it was a story. It was yeah. a news story. We were again in the New York Times. We were in the LA Times. We were in Goop. We were on Today Show. Good Morning America. Like all of my old places that used to cover me as an editor, and by the way, I was a journalist, so all my friends are in that business, were like, oh my God, I want to do a story on you. And I was like, great. So I became the publicist too. 
Yeah. So I'm like, hold on. Sure. And I would basically, I learned in PR early on that you just say yes to everything. It doesn't matter if it's like a magazine that has one person reading it, a podcast that has one person watching it, because that one person matters. Mm. And when you realize that if there's every single person who takes the time to care about your story or your brand is important, then that will change your brand and change everything. So for me, I just said yes to everything. Did I seek out? Was there a seek out strategy? No, not at all. There still is no seek out strategy. But I find that when I sit back and I just say yes to everything, that seems to work. Yeah, nice. What's the, uh, so what's next for Unplugged? Like what's the next big Unplugged. opportunity? Unplugged. A lot of people say Unplugged. Oh, I did. That's oh. okay, that's oh. okay. But I'm glad that you said that because yeah. a lot of people always think, but I always say unplug because we're unplugging in the present moment. Yeah. Um, what is next? Next is growing the app more. We want as many people doing this mm. as possible. Um, kind of working on that. We're working on branding Because the app just has huge, huge potential. Oh my God. And we want people like, I mean, I would love for you to be on the app. So imagine if you could do this is simple, this is easy, this is fun as a mantra, which is your mantra, Yeah. which I have to say, I love it so much. I think I might put it on the wall at our office because I think <laughs> it's just, do. it is a great yeah. thing to think about. You yeah. rewire your brain yeah. and you all of a sudden want to, you know, hit all the frogs in the beginning that aren't the things you want to do, but you do it with a smile on your face. So I would love to find people like you, I guess for the app, who would tell me what their personal practice is like. So that's going to be one of my new strategies mm. for the app. Um, I'm going to probably open up in New York City um, wow. and maybe expand, but mindfully in a way where I feel like I can do it the right way. Um, the products, we're already developing our own products, which we love. And I mean, because obviously I used to cover products for all the magazines. Yeah. So for me, that's actually. So what type of products fun. are you looking to get into? Well, we right now have yeah. a clothing line. Right. We have, um, you know, mugs. We have essential oils. We have candles. You know, anything that has to do with the meditative space. Yeah. Um, and just expanding to meet more teachers and more incredible people to share with the world. That, I mean, I would say, and with myself. Yeah, right. <laughs> Selfishly speaking. Best piece of business advice you've ever received so far for what you're doing. Don't worry if you don't know anything that you're do doing. You will learn everything as you go along. <laughs> That's so true, right? Yeah. And biggest challenge in business right now? Um, never let them see you stress. Mm. You stress a lot? I don't because right. I pause it. Well, let's say things activate me, yeah. but I pause, breathe, and then I don't stress. Okay. So I try to pause myself now before I speak. I used to never do that. There was no pause before that. Okay. That's been the my best stream of thought that's been my best benefit of meditation okay cool and um if there was one piece of advice because there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there like and for me I've, I've i've heard lewis talk about this i've heard uh actually i've heard a lot of people talk about this how meditation has been such a game changer for them but there are still some entrepreneurs that are a little bit resistant towards you know even just sampling the, the the cookie trying the cookie you know taking the red pool mm -hmm. just learning how to unplug even for a moment right um you know they either say things like well i'm too busy i can't meditate i've tried this mm -hmm. what is the one piece of advice that you give to an entrepreneur who perhaps is experiencing stress on a regular basis mm -hmm. um, but they haven't yet got their head around learning how to meditate in a way that's been practical enough to demonstrate the benefits where they go wow this is actually there's something in this for me 
how would you either enroll or re-enroll someone who experiences high levels of stress as an entrepreneur mm -hmm. who you know meditation would make a difference, but they're not quite there yet? Well, I would say to them that they should definitely start with the unplug meditation 30 day challenge because they'll, <laughs> well, it's like we spoon can, feed it yeah, in their can, inbox I, every morning. And I can talk to this, you know, <laughs> I was saying to you, uh, just before we, we, uh, we started to record like the 30 day challenge, I think it's a brilliant idea because whenever you. I fall off the wagon you know, I've been an avid meditator now for a couple of decades, mm -hmm. but uh, whenever I fall off the wagon, I'm like everyone else, right. you know, meditation is like going to the gym, you know, yeah. every now and then we get a little bit lazy. Sometimes we go on holidays. Um, and you know, certain behaviors get momentum and right. meditation is one of those behaviors that I've learned that gets momentum just as much as not meditating. Cause if you don't meditate for a few days in a row, it gets easy not to meditate. Mm -hmm. But when you start meditating for a few days in a row, it gets easier to meditate. Correct. And so whenever I fall off the wagon, I've got my friend Chris Farrell here in LA where we run a 30 day, I'll just, you know, I'll send him a message and say, dude, I've fallen off the wagon. Let's do a 30 day meditation challenge. And he's, every single time you're like, yes, I'm in. Uh, and sure enough, within 14 days, he would have like missed at least seven days. Okay, so we need to sign him up. We for need the to challenge. get Chris onto the app um, immediately. But for me personally, mm -hmm. like just that commitment to that 30 days, it's just like one of these things that gives you a push start. Uh, and it's been transformational for me. So that's a really good piece of advice. Okay, get I, the app, I'll do the 30 day challenge. Right. And so make it non optional. Okay. So if you wake up every morning and you decide, I'm going to give myself even just like one minute of stillness and silence, mm. where you just like, Actually, for entrepreneurs, it's great. Just ask, close your eyes, slow down your breath. We have this great 16-second meditation on the app from David G, where you breathe in through your, want me to teach it to you? Yeah, please. Have you ever done the 16-second? I'm not sure. Let's it's find out. genius. Okay. It's David G's method. So close your eyes. And I want you to think of something that really stresses you out. Tell me when you have that thing. Got it? Got it? Okay. Breathe in through the nose for the count of four. One, two, three, four. Hold your breath for four seconds. Audible exhale for four. And hold your breath for four seconds. And now open your eyes. Were you thinking about that thing that stressed you out? No. Okay. Yeah. No. So you want to you wanna tell mm. me, tell the entrepreneurs, do that one. Yeah, do right. the 16-second meditation. That's all you need to do where you just pause your brain for 16 seconds. And then I would tell them to every time they hit a doorway in their life, before they go into the meeting, before they go into the office, before they go into their car, when they come home from work, before they come into their house, before they leave their house, do the 16 seconds. By then, you'll hit like 20 minutes by the mm. end of the day. And it's just a way to know that at any time you can just pause. Yeah, right. Self-soothe and then go on with your day. Wow, it's so interesting because I, I do an 18 second, I teach an 18 second meditation. Oh, really? It's only difference is six seconds in, hold, hold six seconds, six seconds out, hold six seconds. Oh, that's so funny. Um, Maybe I it, could work up to that. Look, <laughs> <laughs> but what's interesting is how important the breath is for uh -huh. the resetting of the autonomic nervous system. Right. Um, and it really does have the ability just to, yeah, relieve stress very quickly, but also reset anxiety, reset, you know, a lot of the stuff that we deal with on a very regular basis because as entrepreneurs, the, the thing that we are guaranteed more than anything and anyone is stress. Right. And I think the more tools, the more skills, the more apps that we have to learn how to deal with stress, mm -hmm. the easier life is going to be. You know, and, and it's not that I'm trying to sell what you do, but the, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about meditation is, uh, is because of stress. It's because when we become stressed, that biological impact is, you know, within seven seconds of cortisol being released in our body, we lose half of our IQ. Mm -hmm. And as entrepreneurs, that's valuable 
intellectual property that we need to have access to, you know, 24 seven when we're awake. And by being able to meditate, not only does it increase our lifespan, it also increases our, our, intelligent, our intelligence in the moments where it's required to make good decisions. Because as entrepreneurs, as you know, when we make bad decisions, it creates more stress. Right. And more stress produces the opportunity for more bad decisions and it becomes a symbiotic cycle. Mm -hmm. And when we can just break that cycle with like a, a 16 second, 18 second meditation, it can be life changing for a yeah. lot of people. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. For this people is want so to find cool. out more about you, where can we go to find out more about you? Unplug.com. Unplug. <laughs> dot com. Yes. Uh, you've got a studio here in Santa Monica. I do, and one in West Hollywood. One in West Hollywood, uh -huh. and you've got another one opening up in New York very shortly by the sounds Hopefully. Of We're like looking. That's we, very cool. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Real pleasure to have you here. Thank you. There you have it, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Unstoppable with me, your host, Kerwin Ray. And do me a favor, don't forget to drop me a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear what you think. I love reading what you guys have to say and your reviews. Make sure we keep creating killer content just like this. If you want to stay up to date with me and all my movements, please jump onto the website, kerwinray.com. And also check us out on social media at Kerwin Ray. 